Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. What in a that was an awesome song. Hey, great to be here the giver this morning. Um, for years I've done youth work, um, and around about 2010, 2011, we had a bunch of really sporty guys in the youth group, and um, we started a bit of a tradition of every Sunday afternoons playing touch over at the soccer fields, and some weeks we'd have 25 of us, some weeks it'd be seven, and um, it was probably the only time in my life I got really, really fit, because uh, it was a weekly, weekly, full-on uh, touch rugby. Dan, my friend Dan Arthur and I, we sort of said, man, there's just so much talent and all these guys are all sort of getting to that age where they're shipping out a youth group. It'd be great to keep that connection up. So we went and spoke to the rugby club over here and said, hey, could we be the under-19s rugby team? And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we've got lots of money. We've just got no people to help. And so we, we uh, got fully funded, got uh, bags and jackets and everything, and we set up this Huntley under-19s rugby team. And... Um, we uh, played in the comp, and it was a pretty hard comp. We lost most of our games, and uh, I started out as the manager and ended up being the co-coach because our other coach um, went to the army. What was part of the challenge is we'd sort of brought all these league boys over to playing rugby union, and um, league's really strong in our town, union not so much, and um, for those of you who don't know, the games are similar but quite different, um, so... Rugby union's like this um, running game of, of chess where it's all tactical and strategic and territory and possession and all these details with over about a thousand rules, whereas league was invented by Australians. Um, so it's quite simple. Um, so it's basically you grab the ball and you run it straight and, mate, you get six tackles and then you've got to give the ball over. Um, is that about right, Jane? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Anyway, so it's quite hard to turn these guys who are into sort of the simple sport, the Australian, you know, simpleness, um, into the, the sophisticated and intelligent rugby union, okay? Anyway, we, we had this real inspirational guy who was kind of a leader within the pack, and we made him the, the second 5'8", which is kind of like that ma'anonu or sunny bill position, which is hard hitting in the, in the, on the attack and big defence, you know, in that back line. And um, we played this team from Hotapu out near Cambridge, three times, and on the third time, by the third time, I had figured out that the, as a good uh, first five or number ten was doing on the other side, he was directing the team around the field, and he was absolutely exceptional. He was calling all the shots, making all the plays, doing everything, and at half time, I said to this guy, who was a bit of a league convert and a bit of a tough guy, I said to him, he is leading this pack. If we can shut him down, if you can get up in his face, if you can take him out of the game, we're going to win, okay? And um, at 41 minutes into the second half, he runs up, swings an arm, breaks the guy's nose, and took him out of the game. <laughs> Terrible. I, I still feel bad about this poor kid from Cambridge with a broken nose. And he comes off, he got red carded, he came off and he says, you told me to take him out of the game. Like, what's the... <laughs> and I said, no, 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 like, tactically take him out of the game, you know? Like, get up in his face, you know, charge down his kicks, all these things. See, words have power. Yeah? Words have power. Um, we had this uh, youth boy coming to our youth group um, for quite some time, and he was just... 
really hard work. He was the class clown, okay? So everything was a joke. Nothing was serious. He couldn't, he couldn't hold the attention. And, um, and there was all this sort of mockery of him being that kind of guy, and he would always play up to it, okay? And one night, Amy got a word from the Lord, which um, has happened quite a bit. And she, she got this word from the Lord that she was to say to him something. So she grabbed his attention and pulled him aside. And um, there was another youth leader guy there. And, and, um, and she said, hey, I've just got this word from God that your heavenly father doesn't see you as a clown boy. And he just started tripping out. He hopped up and he's like, you're a psychic. <laughs> what? He just could not believe what had just been said. And that had been something that had been put on his heart, uh, on Amy's heart to share with him. Anyway, after settling down and trying to sort of get himself composed, he could not believe it because growing up, he'd had a stepfather who would go, get out of the way, you little clown boy, and slap him over the top of the head. And it always preceded a hit, okay? So in his mind, he had had this word spoken over his life that he was a clown boy. You're a man of God who's a very great servant. There's a word for you, okay? See, we are the result of our experiences and our beliefs, and in most of our lives, we are the result of the words that are spoken over us, the good and the not good. And we can also bear the scars of the words that were never said, if you know what I mean. Words are important and words are influential. When Martin Luther King Jr. uttered the words, I have a dream. The aspirational hope of 22 million African-Americans was unlocked. In 1941, during World War II, when Winston Churchill proclaimed the words that we should never give up, never give in, that laid a foundation of leadership that the Allies built to overcome an evil Nazi regime. In 1840, when Governor Hobson signed up a treaty with 40 Iwi chiefs, and with a little bit of incorrect grammar, he said, He iwi tahi tātou. It recognised the togetherness of a nation and a togetherness of people coming together as one. Different cultures, but coming together as one. And bigger, on the bigger scale of all things, it was God who spoke the world into action, who spoke the world into motion. It was a proclamation, it was words that spoke this world into being. So those are some fairly high-level examples of the power of words, yes? Yet in the biggest things and the smallest things, words are so important. Our words can change situations, breathe life into people, align our focus, and declare truth into situations. We're in a series looking at the book of James in the Bible. This series is about doing an exposition of the five chapters that James wrote, but with the focus on the practical life-living teaching that it is contained. This book is both profound and practical, and is so often the case, speaks of how when we do things first in the physical, the spiritual things are opened. So chapter 3 talks about our words and wisdom, and if you've got your Bibles, it's about taming the tongue and a real check yourself before you wreck yourself piece of writing. It's also quite creative in that it gives us seven analogies or word pictures um, to build an understanding and emphasize the themes, okay? So reading in James 3, 
Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Um, Other translations or words that can come out of that word perfect is mature. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. When the tongue, well, with the tongue we praise out the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Great scripture. There's some strong language in there, and did you catch the seven analogies? I won't quiz you on them. Hey, the first two verses uh, speak to the truth that we should be careful with our words in a teaching capacity. Perhaps different to testimonies, where we've just heard, heard testimonies this morning, which were just beautiful. But in the early church, there was this sort of organic style that is quite different to how we uh, do church as a church whānau these days. They would gather for longer times and share and contribute, and they would be many voices pitching in their thoughts and opinions of teaching. And James is highlighting the need to make sure that our words align with our lives and that we're not, perhaps what was going on there is that people would have all these grand things to say but didn't back it up with how they lived. And that can be us too. Jesus, uh, James is highlighting that we're all one step from a trip and that we all need to keep humble in our teaching and in our words and that none of us are perfect. I sometimes meet people who just have this incredible countenance and humility. Do you ever meet someone like that? There's just something about some people. Just at Easter camp, there's this new guitarist um, in the worship team and um, just had some really big chats, and he just had this absolute 
awesome countenance and maturity of his words and his thoughts and humility. And what it does is it gives mana and value to what they have to say. You know, we are to stand up and step up in our giftings for God, but we're not to promote ourselves as having all the answers. We are to point to Jesus who is perfect in word and action. Verses 3 to 6 talk about uh, three things, the bit of the mouth of the horse, the small rudder and of the large ship, and the small spark that can light up a forest. James is cementing this concept in these verses that the tongue and our words, despite seeming small, are massively powerful. Similar examples, three of them, but each with their own aspect that can be seen in both negative and positive ways. With the horse bit in the mouth, you know, the the bit of steel that goes through that is connected to the reins, that is like how our tongue can actually dominate, okay? The the unique aspect to this one is that um, the bit in the mouth is a bit like how our tongue can dominate. It can change a wild animal into a workable, useful tool. On the negative side of it, our words can be domineering. There would be hundreds of people in this town who live under the control of dominant personalities and dominant tongues. I know someone who works locally with Women's Refuge, and I think most Kiwis wouldn't believe what is happening in this country with broken people whose whole world is about exerting dominance and having perceived power. That is what has been shown to them, and that's what they believe is what a man or a woman ought to be. Our tongues can be so uh, influential in putting people down and shaping people and in dominating people. Just as a bit of a can rein in these, these massive horses, which horses just scare me, and that a small bit, a small bit can rein in a wild thing. On the positive side of this picture, the right words with the right heart can bring into alignment people and situations that are wild. We are to be these uh, people who represent truth and who, who bring about peace. Um, I remember in August 2018, we got back uh, from an a, a Aussie holiday. And what often happens in our lives is straight after a holiday is just matched with this massive tough season. It just seems to happen, which I shouldn't speak into happening, but it's been a bit of a thing. We, we came back and we landed late at night and got straight back into an earthworks job that I was doing for Mark, actually, that had washed out, the site had washed out, and the footings had all caved in, and we had major stress on trying to sort that out in a short amount of time. And then the next, I think, two nights after that, we had one of the wildest nights of youth I can ever remember. <laughs> it, was, it was shocking. The youth's behavior was just terrible. And I found myself literally standing outside in the street between an adult skinhead and about 40 youth who were ripping off their shirts ready to to take this guy out and the police got involved and it was super hectic and somehow in the middle of that not in my strength but the right words were able to de-escalate the whole tension and situation okay had God put me in that moment yes (laughs) did I have to step up yes and and it was actually God's help and, and and the words that were spoken to calm down this guy and calm down these 40 was just kind of a miracle See, when things are wild, 
it's our tongue and our words, the cleverly articulated words from, with God's help, that can bring about peace and change a situation. And we were able to explain both sides and how people saw things from the other's perspective and get to a place where we actually had five of the youth go and apologize to this person at their home. So that's on the extreme end of things, okay? But in every setting, we are called to be the voice of reason and the voice of wisdom. How many times did Jesus' words calm the storm? Literal storms, people storms, chaos. When we find ourselves in dramas that are beyond control, God will use us, our voice and our words, to manage the moments. Our words with His help can lead to a situation having a far greater outcome. The next one is the rudder of the ship. Just reading this the other day made me thought of, think of the, the evergreen cargo ship stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> it also made me think, because I'm a bit of an earthworks guy, made me think of this enormous ship, I don't know if you saw the photos, being dug out with this little digger <laughs> on the side. I heard that the guy did 110 hours of work with very few breaks, and he still hasn't been paid. And I heard he's going to sue his boss. Hey? Yep. That's a dad joke. I'm here all week, people. Um, you know, these, he's still, you just got it. He just got it. Okay. He's going to sue his boss in the Suez Canal. Yeah, okay. We, we've got two tube lights that have just come on here. Um, they took a little, a little flicker, and then they've just come on. Okay. These large-scale ships are pivoted by the smallest of rudders in relation, you know, in relation to their size. I think this biblical picture speaks to the fact that our tongue and our words can actually direct things. Okay, so the bit in the mouth is like this dominance thing or, or a determining thing. Uh, this is more about direction. Our words can actually direct things. The way we talk to people, the way we support people can steer them into where they need to be. You know, with our kids, this is a hard one, we can steer them towards truth with our words, and, and our words can shape lives in the positive or the negative. And sometimes the word goes out to your kids and you sort of feel like catching it as it's gone, and you have to pull that back and use some other words to apologize. This scripture is talking about our lives, that our words can change our direction personally when we speak new words into our life, when we pray new prayers, when we believe new things and start actually proclaiming that in our lives, that it can actually steer us, okay? A big thing can be turned with the words um, like a rudder. But not just within us, our, our family, our relationships, our workplace, our words can actually shape things. If we have a negative tone, a complaining tone, or an undermining attitude that brings itself out in our words, that can change the atmosphere and the direction of things in our place, in our place of work, in our schools, in our, in our homes, in our organizations, in our church. Our words have such a powerful way of, of steering what others think about things. Sometimes I'm just completely stuffed when I get home. It's been a really big couple of months. The other day I, I fell asleep in the dentist chair getting a root canal. It was really just a great sleep. Woke up, woke up after 45 minutes. He said it's all done. Um, sometimes I'm just really, really stuffed, okay? And I, I get home, 
And, you know, I feel like in the day or at youth group or all these things, I've lifted the tone and set the right attitude all day with the team and the words. And then it's really hard to back that up and not just collapse into that relaxedness of home life. Sometimes I feel like I've used all of my man words by 6 p.m. Um, we speak about 3,000 words less. Hey, is that about right? Yeah. And, and quite rightfully, Amy has encouraged me that my family deserves my best as well with my words and with my effort and energy. Sometimes I just finally sit with a coffee um, after pacing it all day and I get asked to, I don't know, change a nappy or stop a kid climbing on a piano or stop them from sneezing in each other's eyeballs. <laughs> and I quite often say, I quite often say, I sort of do it in the act in the opposite spirit, oh, that would be my pleasure in a, in a joking way, you know. But our words, whether that be a joke or not, our words can actually change the atmosphere, you know. When everything within me just goes, they can just jump off the piano or stop sneezing in your sister's eyeballs. Um, I, can, I, can actually change, I can actually change the tone by saying, it's my pleasure, you know. I'd love to, Amy, and it's like sarcasm and I'm dying on the inside, but I would love to. All of a sudden, you're up, you're doing something, and you've just said you'd love to, so you better do it, right? See, our words set the tone, and they're like a rudder, and they can set the atmosphere. Sometimes you're in a room, and there's just like a heaviness because of the tone of the way people are speaking, yeah? And have you been there, and you've had to shape that tone? Well, that's what we're called to do, okay? Like a ship with a rudder, our words can steer our homes, our workplaces, our ministries, the atmosphere we find ourselves in. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and a big part of leadership is our communication, it's about our personal conviction and our personal values, but how we communicate on that and implement that. That's what leadership is. And it's about using our words cleverly uh, to, to steer others into good things, not with any manipulation, but with, with wholesome uh, truth and with, um, you know, just with an open heart. The next image is that of fire, that a spark can do so much harm. See, we had the bit that was about determining or dominance or dominating things, that that can be a really unhealthy thing, but we can also determine and do things really well. The rudder is like this thing that, that um, you know, is a, is a directional thing. But this last one sort of talks about destroying. So we've seen three Ds there, okay? This, this one talks about the power of how much our words can break things or break people. In the 2019 uh, 20 bushfires in Australia, it ended up burning um, just under 2 million hectares, or the size of all of the Waikato, all of the Taranaki, and all of the Bay of Plenty, burnt. And while hard to confirm, they think it can be traced back to about three or four starting points, and then that just whew, jumps, jumps, jumps. See, our words can have a flow-on effect of immeasurable damage. Our uh, youth boy, his whole life was orientated around these words that have been spoken over him. And it was like that was the genesis of all of this behavior and all of this, you know, disconnect from everyone else. And he got to hear a voice that his heavenly father says he doesn't have to be a clown boy. See, we can have words spoken over us, good or bad, in our early years that we spend our whole lives running from or trying to live up to. And that can go on to affect generations. 
The great news is that Jesus can break through those words because he is the word. And this is where the power of prayer is the only thing that can break patterns. A sign of spiritual wisdom and maturity is being able to tame the tongue from setting things into destruction. There's been times in my life where there's been a big thing being said, and I've said, hey, look, there's probably another side to that story, you know? Or, hey, let's just have a little bit of a think before we get too far ahead of ourselves. Or, someone has egged me on wanting me to join in with some negativity or some slander or something, and you hold fire. And something happens because they've got nothing else to feed off, okay? We actually have this part to play in holding back and taming those words from creating destruction and things getting out of hand. And that's where we can be people who encourage, uplift, embolden people. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Amy went to a thing years ago called Cleansing Streams. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing uh, thing that's available. And I'd encourage people to look it up. And she said about 80 to 90% of the things that went down was people having sort of a spiritual uh, healing for things that had been spoken over their lives, okay? So dark things that had been happening, grandparents who'd got into Masonic stuff, into dodgy stuff, all these different things, and God breaking through with proclamation of, in Jesus' name, things changing, okay? So Jesus, the name of Jesus, the word, Jesus, in Jesus' name when we pray, we can actually break through things. And so we have this thing that no one else has, no government department can break through. No other community organization. It's the name of Jesus that can literally break through and break a word that's been spoken over people's lives, okay? We can offer all this practical and social support and all this stuff, and yet the spiritual awakening and the spiritual hope that needs to come is up to his church, and that's us. How powerful is the words that we can speak? So without majorly diving into the rest of the scripture, there are actually three more truths there. Um, here they are. The consistency of our words and our words being consistent with our actions, okay, is in there. Blessings and curses and the signs of wisdom is how the chapters round itself out. Just to pace through it a bit quicker, the images of fresh and salty springs that we see and the trees bearing their right fruit and they can't bear the other fruit is saying that if we are people of Christ, we should speak the words of Christ, okay? The attitudes of Christ, the values of Christ. There is nothing more off-putting than when people don't live up to what they say, yes? Or when the words are not demonstrated in their actions. On the farm, we, we used to call them gunners, Okay? Yeah, I was going to do that. I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, going to, going to, going to. And we call them gunners, not because they're great guns, because they just don't get the things done. So our actions need to follow up our words, and there's a lot of things promised. It's, today, it's all about the optics. It's all about the image or the thing you present the world on Instagram or social media. And Jesus is like, uh... <laughs> Back it up with your life, you know. That's where the rubber hits the road. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we represent him, and that is what is a true witness, okay? When our lives align with our words, that is powerful. 
So if we're blessing God in this setting and then speaking half-truths or cursing things or people or dismissing things and dismissing ideas and leaders, it makes our Sunday songs kind of void, doesn't it? We can be honest, we can be real. It's not like we have to sugarcoat everything and everything just be, you know, fake. But we need to know the tipping point and hold our words that aren't the ways of God. We need to hold those words. And man, what a powerful thing that can bring. The second to last one, in terms of the whole blessings and curses thing, we have this opportunity to bless God and bless others with our words, okay? A few years ago, we went to an African-American gospel church in Harlem in New York, and um, it was all about blessing, Mm, blessings. And um, even the song was, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field. Everybody say bless, say bless, say bless, say bless. And everyone's just jumping and, oh, it was amazing. Had tears running down my eyes. And then, you know, like you, you couldn't walk a meter without having a bless you, brother. Bless you. Bless you, brother. And it's just like, oh. And you just walk out feeling blessed. And, um, and I think, man, what? it was just such a beautiful thing. You know, it was just a, it was an amazing thing. The song, the songs were powerful. And um, I know that's sort of the way they do things and we sort of don't do those things. But the, the nuggets we could get out of it is we can actually bless people with our words, Okay. And, um, and without being fake, rather than talking about all the, I don't know, the dumb stuff in our week or all those sorts of things, we can just speak blessings over our church whānau. We can speak blessings over our kids. Uh, we can, you know, I'm, I'm in that whole kid zombie zone thing and all these parents are sort of a bit negative about things. And it can be kind of countercultural to be like, oh, just kids are just a treasure. You know, they're just a blessing. And people are like... Seriously, are they you, you actually you actually with them? You know, um, but we can be we can be we can be different in how we we talk about things. I rang up a guy yesterday. I've been trying to get a couple of hundred tons of, of metal for a job, and everyone else was turning me down. And oh no, just flat out, mate, flat out. And I rang this guy. How are you? Marvelous, marvelous. Yeah, mate, I can be there Monday. No worries. Yeah, no worries. His words got him the job. Okay, so we can be a blessing with the way and, and the positivity of our words. But more than that, on a whole other level, when we're driving somewhere and you just sometimes you just pass someone and their face just looks worn out and they're just ragged tight, do any of us just bless people? Like just bless that person gone past. Or sometimes, quite often, it's driving through here and I'm just flying off to do something and there'll be someone walking on the bridge or a teenager walking and you know shuffling their feet or the bag's half off the shoulder and you just think, man, what is the world that they've been in last night? Who's, who's got their back? Who's loving on them? Who's made their lunch, you know? God, we just want to bless that teenager, you know? We just pray for an awesome thing to happen in their day. See, so these words that we can speak can actually unlock something spiritually in lives. Can we do that in our own way? Yeah? And in terms of curses, there's... Thousands of people in this town who have words or curses spoken over them that they could have healed, and words that they believe in their heads. Those, that's what curses are, is, is these words that aren't of God, okay? And the only thing that fixes it is God's truth. The chapter finishes by covering the, the signs of wisdom, 
Uh, verse 17 says that, that wisdom comes from heaven. Uh, the, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You know what, we are to seek wisdom beyond all else. You know, what, what do we want said about our lives? What do we want said about us? What are the fruit that we want to bear? I think what this chapter unlocks is that it all starts with our words. It's actually those words are the, the, the practical thing. James is a practical writer. It's those practical things that bear out in wisdom and the fruit. All those, those are the signs of, of God's ways, you know. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers. Those are the things. That's the sort of stuff I want spoken about me. Is that, is that you? You know? Well, I think, I think we just, maybe if we bring that big thought down to the little thoughts, what are the words that we could be speaking that would sow in and grow this whole thing of a foundation of wisdom? It all starts with our words and our countenance and our words are the overflow of our heart. And to be wise, to have wisdom, and to have the fruit that is shown out of that wisdom, we just need to surrender our heart back to God and bring our words and our actions in alignment with Him. I couldn't find the author, but there's this cool little kind of poemy thing here. It says this, A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may soothe the way. A joyous word may light the day. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. Hey, if you're able, would you just stand with me? I just got a little bit of a psalm that I think we maybe need to declare. So in Scripture, it talks about when we declare things over our lives, that something actually unlocks, and totally fine if you don't want to, but I just thought we'd get a little bit of Anglican on it, and maybe you could repeat me. <laughs> We've got this cool psalm, cool psalm, Psalm 19, verse 14, and it's a bit of a de declaration, and I'll read it to you first so you know what you're going to say. It says, May the words of my mouth... And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So shall I just say a sentence? And, and just before we do that, I just wondered, is there, firstly, I'll just give you 30 seconds to think about a word that you've had spoken over your life that's either good or healthy. Just 30 seconds. Just think about a word that's been spoken over your life. And just surrender it to God. Secondly, just... Scripture actually says that we should seek forgiveness before we worship, worship God, or that's part of it. Is there, just for 30 seconds, is there is some words that you've spoken to some people that you just need to ask God for forgiveness for? Might be small, might be just something little, but is there a word that you've spoken over someone or to someone? Might have been years ago. And just ask God for forgiveness on that one. And lastly, maybe we could just think for 30 seconds about Something this week, or a place, or a situation we want to be in, where we will use the power of blessing to bless someone, with our voice, with our words, out loud. Do you want to just have a place, and think about a thing that you could do this week to bless someone?
Let's just close by declaring this psalm. Do you want to just follow after me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Feel free to grab a seat. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for James and his practical writing. And um, God, we just ask that... Um, our words this week would be a, a beacon and an example of your truth. That um, there'd be something different about us and that we wouldn't be uh, proclaiming something today and not living it out tomorrow and not using those same words tomorrow. And God, I pray that we would be able to bless people this week, that there'd be stories come up next week of, of moments where we blessed you. And we just pray a blessing over each and every one in this room that we wouldn't be half-hearted in our faith and half-hearted with our words, that we wouldn't be confused, but that, God, we would unlock the things that have been said over us. We would forgive ourselves for the things that we've said before, and we would seek something new out this week in which we can bless people with. God, we pray um, that you would help us with this and, and that we'd tame our tongue. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast.